1: I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another episode of the Western Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and I have Weston Paul with Mountain Tough Fitness in the studio today. Well, he's in his studio. I'm in my studio, but we're going to do a podcast because it's that time of the year to start really thinking about the fall, as crazy as that sounds. It's time to start getting in shape, getting some weight on the pack and getting ready for another season out west and with that how are you doing today weston
0: i'm doing well thanks for having me on brian yeah thanks to your audience for listening as well it's fun to just make these connections to wherever we are geographically it's like yeah let's let's have a conversation so thanks to the times we're in and being able to do this
1: yeah i'm not the the podcast is doing incredibly well but we're not to the point where we're flying guests in for episodes yet you know this isn't rogan um and so it's great to be able to just hop on a call like like i just mentioned i'm heading to canada in four hours so how would that work if we had a person podcast today it's like thanks now hit the road i gotta leave
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's all it's all it would be fun to fly people in and do that too but
1: i'm like geez
0: who has the time (laughs) comes down
1: to it Yeah, the time. I mean, that would be hours and hours to like organize travel, pick them up from the airport. Then you're probably going to do something. You know, yep. you're not just going to fly in for an hour and fly out. So you like, oh, now i are going to go to dinner. And <laughs> sure, if this was a full time gig, that'd be great. But for very few of us, talking is our full time gig. Yeah, definitely. So. so where are where are you guys located by the way?
0: We're located in Bozeman, Montana. So southwest Montana. Um, that's our headquarters for Mountain Tough Fitness Lab um yeah been out been out here mountain tough started in 2016 and yeah dustin who founded it he's he went to college here grew up in montana and shoot i've been here well i went to college in montana too in 2001 date myself here and then up to bozeman in
1: 2005 so yeah, yeah oh wow cool. just in the kind of in the heart of there's it seems like there's two cities where like all Western industry is in and it's either Salt Lake City Utah yeah. or Bozeman Montana
0: <laughs> bozeman definitely became a hub but Salt Lake City is where is is the true hub like an outdoor industry in general is like South, Salt Lake City and then Bozeman's like the miniature version of that I would say um but yeah just, yeah, not, long, much, just not miniature
1: for very long though I mean Bozeman no. is I mean, I feel like you guys are always on like the fastest growing cities in America list.
0: We are like where I live in Belgrade, which is just outside of Bozeman, Bozeman, it's like, it is the fastest growing right now for, per some of those reports that are out there, but it's still like, it's still small uh, in the re- relative scheme. It's like Bozeman itself is 50,000 people pretty much. But then the, the surrounding valley is like 100,000 maybe, but there's not like a lot of infrastructure here to honestly support a lot of people. It's like very, you know, construction, farm, ranch, ag, um, and then a bit of tourism. But it's like, yeah, o- overall it's hard to support a large population here. It's gonna take a lot of time before that happens, but but yeah, right.
1: Yeah, right. Ten percent a year of a hundred thousand is much different than like one percent. It's LA. a lot
0: different. <laughs> yeah, when you look at like Salt Lake or yeah other places too. Um, so so I always like to preface that I'm like, yep, yeah, it's growing like a lot of places. You know, too. It's like there's a lot of wonderful places wherever you are. There's some beauty and where you're at, and so embrace that. And, and then people find out about that and they want to move. And so you like, well, I can't fault you for that. Like I moved here, so. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i think it's funny because people love like i would love to live in bozeman it would be great you got everything in your back door the fishing would probably be a little bit worse than minnesota yeah but that's there's still fishing and the, the, i mean the like the fly fishing would be exponentially better yeah yep. and so we're just like open water fishermen and so but other than that like for hunting like what a better place to live than southwest Montana, because then you have not only like the state with probably the most access for a hunter Mm -hmm. in terms of season length, species, distribution, landscape types, but also you're right next to Wyoming and Idaho and not too far away from Colorado. Mm -hmm. And those are like the three options for like out of state hunts. Is Well, including Montana, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado are like the four core out-of-state options because the rest of them usually have some type of point game Mm -hmm. that takes so long to drop.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's the heart of it. Like the greater yellow, greater Yellowstone ecosystem, like Yellowstone National Park and everything that that feeds. It's pretty incredible too. And it's, this has been going on. This has been going on since the dawn of time. Like when you think like the elk herds, Moving through and migrating here and there. Yes, we as people have gotten in the way of them too by putting up fences and you know all that sort of stuff and putting pressure on them. But that is happening. Like, oh, it's been several years ago, but my buddy and I were on a we're on a backcountry elk trip. We were packing up our camp one morning, rolling up. I was rolling up the tent. He was rolling up his sleeping bag. Like literally, like side by side. We're above timberline, right? And we had this big rainstorm the night before. And I'm like thunder and lightning and just like crazy downpour, just water rushing everywhere. And where we had set our tent up was good, but on either side of it, the water was just flowing. And we're roll- I'm rolling up the tent, he's rolling up his sleeping bag, and he reaches down like right in between us and he picks up an arrowhead. And this is like way up in the mountains. It is so cool. I'm like, dude, this- we're up here archery hunting and this has been going on for a very very long time people have been up here archery on is it it super super special so
1: that is so cool yeah my brothers i would say is probably his number one bucket list item at this point is to find an arrowhead like his outdoor bucket list obviously like yeah. watch my kids grow up and be successful okay yeah. but like when it comes to hunting and fishing he, I, he like putting that up there would be very that's very high on his list um is finding an arrowhead and so I that I once ordered a bag of fake arrowheads from Amazon (laughs) and I was going to bring them out to our archery camp and just give them to everybody in our team and just be like hey anytime you stop for lunch just throw a couple out so yeah and wait until he finds them and so he's like finds like five or six of them over the course of the week and like, this is the best trip ever and then driving back I'd have him like hey can you reach in the glove box and get me a napkin and he finds like the entire bag of like Amazon arrowheads (laughs) That's amazing! Hey, it's hope. So, it's hope <laughs> they didn't show up in time. I ordered them like the day before we left, and they didn't oh show up gosh. in time. So, yeah. Now we probably heard the story that I my plans, and now it won't work. But, uh, but awesome. that's fine. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be cool. But yeah, speaking of like the time that it's been through, have you found a lot of seashells up in places where yeah that are a long ways away from the oh, ocean?
0: I, like I'm, I'm a <laughs> I'm not so much like a geology geek, but I love I love picking up rocks. And it's funny, I got two boys as well. And they're like, like our house, like the window wells are like lined with rocks that we pick up from here, there and everywhere. And whenever I'm up high, I'm always looking for some sort of fossil or <laughs> something. And I'm, I end up, Like my pockets are always full, especially coming back in archery season, especially um, bringing stuff back. And my boys are the same way. We're like constantly picking up stuff. So it's just, it's fun to be like, no way this was covered in water way up
1: here. You know? Uh, Yeah. I've always was for a long time. I was like, is this because this used to be covered in water or are birds finding these in like streams and lakes nearby and then bringing these up here? And I'm like, I don't know which seems more realistic. Cause I, some places you go, you see a lot of them.
0: A lot of them. Yeah. Like I, I feel covered in water. And like I said, I'm not a geology guy, but one of my good buddies, um, he's like mid sixties, he's a geology professor. And, uh, we elk hunt together every year, archery elk hunt, um, too. And he is like, over time shared with me a lot of like the terrain and what's conducive to elk habitat too, especially during the rut. And a lot of this stuff too, that we're in these big valleys. So if you haven't come out West to hunt, um, or you're thinking of coming out West to hunt, one of the coolest things in my opinion is when you get up high is just looking out into these big valleys that are out there. Then they look like like deserts. They look like they're completely flat. You know, There's grass and stuff, but then it'll go into a river bottom. But you have to think like, However, long ago, that was all a big old glacier and the glacier was moving through and the river was like a hundred times as big or massive. Like we can't fathom it. Like you're not going from one side of the river to the other, but all of this, the glaciers formed all of the wonderful elk hunting ground, like these moraines and where it rolls. And it's like all the terrain features, you know, they want some flat ground. They want to have um a little protection and so all of those geologic pieces like come into play when you're up there elk hunting and it totally makes sense when you think about it you're like oh like people had to travel across the ice you know and we're killing whatever woolly mammoths let's say i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher it because i'm not like i never took geology i just buddies with this geology professor um but i'm like it's it absolutely makes sense. And when you look out and you're like, whoa, like this has been going on for a very, very long time. I'm up here now in these mountains and these elk love this habitat because those glaciers pushed in the right type of soil. It produces like really, really good fruitful crop. So when it comes to the grasses and stuff that elk are eating up there up high, it's like, they don't even need to leave some of these little places. Um, and you're like, oh yeah, that's when you find a a shell or some sort of fossil. And you're like, Oh, this is the right place to be. This is that this is definitely the right place to be when it comes to especially hunting elk in the rut. So anyway.
1: Oh, yeah, (laughs) it is super cool to think back. I mean, so I grew up in central Minnesota in the lake country Mm -hmm. and we grew up on a lake and not I'd say like five years ago. One of my one of the neighbor friends that also grew up on the lake, you know, his dad lived on the lake. Now he lives on the lake. He found, he was fishing one day in his pontoon or just cruising. I can't remember which, but he looks down. He's like, man, that really looks like an elk antler, but it can't be like, this is central Minnesota. Yeah. But he's like, that stick looks so close to an elk antler. I'm going to pick it up. And sure enough, he picks it up. And then there's another one right next to it. And he he picks them up and like, these are elk antlers. Like the tips, the tips were degraded down. I'd say each tine was like the top half, the ivories part of it was all gone but the rest of it was like petrified and it's perfect i mean it's like base two fronts a third a fourth and a fifth like there's no denying and then there's a left and a right like there's no denying that these are elk antlers. some people like oh those look like sticks it's like you don't even know what you're talking about if you think those are sticks oh man and so that fired off all kinds of questions like how long have they been there and so it's like well the elk haven't been here for 400 years or whatever Mm -hmm. since the settlers came across the west because they pushed all the elk out and you know they used to love this type of the prairie and now they're out in the mountains because of the human pressure Mm -hmm. but it's so cool to think about like those elk antlers just sitting in the bottom of that lake for just preserved maybe thousands of years yeah 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 preserved i'm like that's true
0: too i was like yeah they were a prairie animal primarily too and i'm like you get to read in some of that stuff some of that some of that historical like accounts and everything you're like man yeah all the way from minnesota like however far the elk herds went like our pressure just pushed them and pushed them now they're in the mountains of southwest montana (laughs) so
1: well that's a great transition because you wouldn't need to be mountain tough and in shape if they were still a prairie animal like i'm like you now that they're a mountain animal (laughs) you have to walk i'm
0: like i'm i'm confident in that I, I grew up in South Dakota and, um, and, uh, some of my good friends are, um, had a ranch on Pine Ridge Indian reservation. And it was crazy cause some of the, not wild horses, but there were guys that would walk down, um, horses. Mm. They would just keep them off of water, um, Lakota guys, and they would just keep them off of water and they'd keep pushing them, keep pushing them. Eventually that horse would give up and they'd, they'd put a halter on it and bring it home and you know be theirs and i i'd heard that a lot too with wild horses and when you think about that with elk if you were on the prairie it's like you could be successful of course in an ambush but you could also put the pressure on them and just keep them off and keep them off and keep them off and eventually so there's no fences i'm like you just walk a long ways when it comes down to yeah. it i was like we're walking we're walking uphill now but you'd still be walking a long ways <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and if they didn't ever accustomed to human repressure and roads, it would be a lot like antelope hunting where you, you know, typically a lot of places in America, you spend a majority of your time antelope hunting, driving and scouting. Like you drive to a knob, walk a hundred yards, glass, drive to the next one. And so if that was elk hunting, I mean, that would, you would still want to be like in good shape. That's never going to hurt you, but it, But it's definitely keeping you, uh, you guys in business and and having some good job security now that they are in the mountains, because it's drastically different. Like you said, we got to climb uphill to find them and then we got to carry them downhill. And we got
0: to descend. Totally, totally. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like that uphill travel now that we do um, and that, you know, I love and that people are looking to get that experience and gain that experience. You come out west you hunt you know you're looking forward to it you kind of know what to expect though because you've done it for a while if you hadn't done it it's like it takes a few seasons to kind of go oh like i need to be a little more
1: prepared in this area right um yeah especially i i believe rifle hunting can really be what you make it mm -hmm. and if the better the shape you're in great because there's gonna be times where you need to boot scoot and boogie over to the next ridge yep But where it becomes immediately obvious is archery hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can, you can spend all the time in the world, getting to the spot, listening to the bugles, not breaking a sweat. But what happens is you start your calling setup, and now he's going to come in a hundred yards above you trying to catch the thermals. And now you need to run uphill 150 yards. Yep. And that a lot of people will be like, Oh, it's only 150 yards. I run 150 yards all the time. It's like, well, oh, sure enough. I'm sure you do. Yep. Try it uphill and then you try it in black timber or dead fall, even worse. Yeah. And see how long you last. Cause we did that last fall. Yeah. Exact situation. We had a, we fired off a bugle. We heard a response and we're like, wow, that was really close. Like 300 yards. Like mm-hmm. let's make a plane. Like you are probably the same when you hear that 300 yard bugle you pull out your map first. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it's almost weird. It's like, there's an elk right there and you don't even move. You just pull out your map and you're yeah. starting to look like, let's make a plan. Well, we did that. And then he bugles again at like 150, and we're like, oh shit, he's moving. This bull's coming to us. And this was, there's only 10 seconds in between bugles. Yeah. Like yeah. he's, he's running. And so, and he's going to come in like 80 yards above us. And so mm-hmm. me and my brother take off. Like we both know right away, uphill thermals, we got to get higher. Yep. We take off, go about 10 feet, hit deadfall. We both trip like instantly, all momentum stopped. And now we're pinned. Like the first cow is coming over the ridge and we wow. didn't make it anywhere.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. And that, that's that moment too. And, and looking forward to that moment, there's so much anticipation. And when it doesn't happen, I'm like, you could go the rest of the trip and not have that circumstance arise again right like like that could be your one shot and so to be to make the most of it in every situation you know the the physical piece definitely comes into play um you know you you're playing it smart but your ability to navigate that quickly and then probably you know take your backpack if it's 300 yards i'm like i take my backpack with me because i'm like I I don't know what's going to happen because I may go over the next roller and then up the next one. And then pretty soon I'm, you know, I've left my backpack. So I'm like, I'm loaded. I'm going up that stuff. And I want to travel that quickly. So.
1: I have never once advocated for dropping your pack. I don't see a situation where you need to drop your pack. Right. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, it's either so close that it's like, I will never forget where my pack is. Well, it's like, if it's that close, just, keep it yeah up. totally <laughs> and then it's like 300 yards like oh i could do it a lot faster without my pack true but you're probably if you're in the speed game you're probably mm-hmm. not taking the time to drop a pin where your pack mm-hmm. is like you said things happen like rarely does the first instance of a setup play out you usually got to move you got to work the bull a little bit all of a sudden you're like sometimes you're four hours into this yes. herd and Just you're a mile this... away
0: yep yep I'm like, I love, I love that. Like diagonal travel, I love just pissing those, especially those herd bulls off. Like, I'm like, oh, I like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna put enough pressure on you. Uh, And and you travel so far in that. Cause I'm like, that's the, that's what lights me up is I'm like, I'm out there and I'm just like bloodthirsty. You know, I'm like, this is what we were meant to do. Like we're supposed to do this, right? So I'm just going and going and going. I'm like, I, I don't like to have to think about, yeah, my gear or my fitness. I just want to think about killing that bull. Like,
1: that's my ultimate goal. So Well, a lot of people, oh, I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people. I feel like it's very easy to think, oh, I can handle that situation and come up with a good game plan and do all this, you know, mental calculating of where I need to be, what the setup needs to be, what the bull's saying. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you probably can when you're like, when I'm sitting here talking to you, it all makes perfect sense. Yep. But when I just got done running that 150 yards uphill, like you just, it's, it's so crazy to see how long it takes you to like, think through a situation oh. when you can't breathe. Big time, big time. Yeah. the
0: It's oxygen to your brain, you know, like in your muscles yeah. trying to get it. So your lungs are pumping and ultimately like you end up in a Yeah, a brain fog, decision fatigue, like whatever it may be, um, when you want to be sharp in that situation, you want to be able to tap into those plays that you've played out in your head or from videos that you watched or stories that you've heard, like you want to be able to tap into that and say like, this is my move. You like you saying, I know I need to get higher because this bull's coming in. I don't want him to catch my thermal, like where's the edge of this next ridge so that my thermals are going up and off of it so that I can get there. And then catch him while he's looking down you know i'm like those those are the things i don't know you geek out on it it's plays in a playbook when it comes down to it um if you're if you're playing football you want to be able to execute on those plays and you want to have have good oxygen to your brain too so
1: yeah yeah Yeah. i wanted to ask you quick when you said you were like you're talking about paralleling a herd or a lot of people call it dog in a herd, right you get a herd you can if if you're in the middle of the rut it's a lot of times it's pretty easy to keep tabs on a herd, right? They're pretty loud. The cows are loud, the bulls bugling, he might be chuckling, trying to keep the herd together. If there's satellite bulls around, all of a sudden, like chaos kicks off. Like it's not, if you're close, it's easy to like hear them. But my question was how fast, when you're doing that, how fast do you feel like that average herd is moving, like for you to keep up at that parallel pace? in like terms of like human speed because it's not a nice slow steady sneak for a human it's like you got a boogie like yeah like
0: every every elk step every step that they're going to take in their stride is what like three or four times hours like it's so much faster in their leisurely walking pace and you think a bull picking up a couple cows a lead cow out front and a herd of however many even if it's you know 10 head um they're going to move so much faster than you think they're going to move. Like I, I, I've, I've watched like my father-in-law, like when I started archery hunting, he came out to Montana cause he'd hunted, he's from Michigan and he's hunted Colorado for forever and big white tail guy and had a ton of elk experience. So I learned a lot from him and we watched this bull, beautiful bull um, with his herd come up over a ridge and we, we glassed him and he was, yeah, still like burned in my memory. Just beautiful, beautiful bull. Um, and he picked his cows and pushed them. And there were two guys behind. And they actually dropped their packs and they boogied after this this bull. And you could see them. They were almost running, these two guys after this this herd. And this herd never spooked. These guys did a good job. My father-in-law looked right at him. and he's like, they're never going to catch up to him. You know and that's the truth like you're not going to catch up with them necessarily but you're going to stay on them until they go and bed down because that's when your opportunity to really piss that that herd bull off like comes up so your ability to move with them is almost it's not a jogging pace but it's pretty dang brisk to be able to keep up and know where they're going to go and then set up on them and let alone if you get an opportunity that that bull comes and picks a cow up or you can have a roller or something and you can do that like one lost cow, like what, one behind the herd that he's going to come up over that roller and he's going to pick her up and you'll be right there. That, that situation is, like I said, not a, it's not a sprint, but it's a pretty brisk walk. And typically you're going to be running at a diagonal. So you're going to be gaining a little bit of elevation. Most of the time, in my experience, you're going to be gaining a little bit of elevation, kind of paralleling them. So, so you have to factor in that uphill travel. So you're going to be pretty winded when you're just trying to, to make that move and keep up on that, that parallel. That's, that's my experience. I'm like, and I like to be able to move in that because I like to be aggressive. I'm not a, I'm probably too aggressive sometimes, um, you know, I'm not a like sit back and wait all day. Um, I should probably be a little bit more patient, maybe not um, put as much pressure, but I've had good success too. in putting that, you know, getting that bull all pissed off, you'll hear it, you'll hear a lot of guys talk about it too, you know, the bar fight scenario, that, that scenario does come up and it does work. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it by any well, means. Like, and it sounds well, like it's not broke, but that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to talk about because there's like you, you kind of alluded to, there's a lot of different ways you can go about this. Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, the most passive way that arguably has some pretty good success rates is sitting yeah. a wallow, water, um, great funnels and, and saddles, like mm-hmm. to the point of like a tree stem. like I'm committed to this tree. Yes. And there's yep. a lot of people that have great success. That would say that's the most passive option. Mm-hmm. And then you get on the other side, Which is probably there's probably even room on the other side of what you do Mm -hmm. on the aggressive side. You know, you you hear people like Corey Jacobson. It's like I just run ridges and bugle my head off until someone wants to play. And I know I run by a lot of elk every day, but I don't care. I just want the one that's pissed off today. And that's about as aggressive as you can get, or like bombing in on a herd. Like I know this herd's bedded in here. I'm gonna get into like 50 yards. I might spook them, but if I don't, it's
0: gonna be magic. If I play the wind correctly, if I play my thermals correctly. And it does align. I'm like, you can you can sit there for an afternoon on a herd like that, and you can wait yeah. until that bull comes up and does his circle, you know, quietly, because um, that'll work too. But I'm like, yeah, I I tend I'm probably to a fault. I'm like, I'm it's just part of my personality. I'm like, I love to cover country. I love to <laughs> I love to travel. Yeah. I'm I'm totally on that level with Corey Jacobson. I'm like, let's go, like let's go let's go find another one. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think, but that's what makes it. That's what makes it September in a way. Is that moving and getting close? Like that's when you hit the adrenaline. Yeah. That's when when you're dogging herds and you're getting in tight. That's when. That's when all the magic that people talk about. That's when it happens. The magic isn't when a lone satellite comes in for a drink of water and you're yeah. sitting in a tree stand. Like that's super cool, and yep. I wouldn't turn that down. I mean, we've brought tree stands. It's like. It's supposed to be super hot. If they're not talking, like we Mm -hmm. might have to resort to this because we got one week to do it. And you know that too. I'm like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's in your quiver.
0: I'm like, it works for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you got one week to do it, you got to play by the Elks game. If you live in Bozeman, like yourself, obviously you get more time. You get to, you get to kind of pick and choose a little bit. You still probably have a job and you got to work, but we would all prefer that method. And the point that I want to get to is that to do that method, to get into that magic you got to move. You got to be able to move. You got to be able to, you got to be able to, I don't know what you would call it. Like you said, speed walk uphill Mm -hmm. for long periods of time. Cause it could be miles. Yeah, We've seen miles of a herd moving from their, their feed or whatever their their early morning spot is to their bedding area. Mm -hmm. And you can't, it's easy to hear them when you're close. It's not super easy to know where the herd went once they start getting out a quarter, half depending on the terrain, when they start getting that far away, all of a sudden you don't know where they went. Did they stop? Did they keep going? Are they bedded? Are they still up on their feet? You got to be kind of tight to them. So you got to at least try to keep up with them and then you're moving. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that piece, I mean, just navigating to the country that you want to be in so that you can set up and understand their patterns and say, you know, you get a one week hunt. Like you're going to want to get into that space and it's going to be high, high elevation. Like you're going to be up there. Um, Don't be concerned about the elevation, be concerned about your ability to get to that place and then have the energy to go and, and finish with like a really, really good hunt. Cause just getting to the place that you want a glass from and understand where they're at, you know. Sometimes you're going in blind. Maybe you got some beta from some buddies. Maybe you've done it a year before, but there's always these little factors that come into play. But get there and feel good and be then use all that energy that you have to focus on the hunt once you're there, you know, regardless. I mean, if you still have to huff a tree stand up and get it in there, like use as little amount of time as possible. Do it as fast as you can, right? Um, Get it in there and then maximize your hunt because like – you want to, you want to spend that time. You want to be able to have those encounters. And it takes a lot of those encounters to, to seal the deal. So.
1: Yeah. I remember the first years that I was elk hunting and really the first year we were up in Northwest Montana Mm -hmm. in some gnarly country. And I remember it feels weird because I lived in Fargo at the time. And so you're driving across like the most boring, flattest state in the union with like the least to look at. Like it's on par with Western Kansas. Yeah. There's nothing. (laughs) And so it's flat. And then you get into the badlands and then you get into Eastern Montana and there's some rolling hills and some breaks and you're like, man, I'm so excited. Like this is going to be awesome. And then you get into like, like Big Timber, yeah. Bozeman, and you're starting to see foothills and black timber. And you're like, man, I can just see a herd of elk walk. Yeah. You know, that's going to be perfect. Well, then you start getting like past Helena and Missoula. And you're like, uh-oh, this is starting to look kind of steep. Yeah. Like, I hope it goes back to that other stuff. Soon. <laughs> and it never does. No, right? it doesn't. And so you get there and it's just steep. And I remember the first couple years, I always thought like, oh, my, the hard part was going to be getting where we wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be getting up there and it's going to be getting to that ridge. Like that's the work. Yeah. Well, the more I do it every year, the more I feel like that doesn't even count as work. Because the real work, I mean, you can do that as slow as you want. You could start at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and spend three hours, take lots of breaks, hardly break a sweat, climb all this elevation, get where you want to be at sunup. And that's not, that's fine. You can do that. But the real work starts. When you're starting to work on elk, because you're on their timeline. Yeah. And that's when you got to be able to run. That's when you got to be able to, you know, manage your breathing, try to keep your heart rate under control. Know when to, you need a break, know when you need to push. That's when you're, that's when the real work starts. And it took me a couple years to think that way. Yeah. To think like, yeah. no, climbing the mountains, not the hard part. The hard part's going to be when we find the elk. That's, totally. that's what you need to train yep. for. And it kind of just shifted your perspective or it shifted my perspective on like, what is a long ways? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the spot we went to last year, we would start at the bottom. We would park on the Creek and we'd go all the way up to the peak mm-hmm. and all the way back down hunting. And it's like, that's no big deal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just a hike. I mean, we do it slow. We hunt our way in, hunt our way out and, and we get into elk, but you know, we're not looking for ways to like, how do we drive all the way up to the top? type of right. thing, because you just yeah. shift your perspective a little bit, like you plan on it's just, it seems like it's just your mindset. Like right. if you yep. if your mindsets like this isn't going to be that bad, we're just going to do it. And then we're going to get where we want to be. And then we're going to hunt. And that's going to be the part where we need to go hard. It seems like that was the big difference and it made all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love that too. I'm like, just having that perspective, flipping that switch, like you said too, saying like, Yeah, I can go that distance. Um, I can get up a little bit earlier. A big piece for me is having the energy in the tank to do that day in and day out. Because even a 4 a.m. start, I'm like, if you hunt all day in archery season, you're gonna be back to camp by nine, honestly, have a little dinner, go to sleep, wake up again at 3.30, have some breakfast, and then start hiking like that energy in the tank is, is really like to maximize those days. That's important to me. I'm like to get up and be like, all right, we got to go again and not be like, Oh, I'm a little tired. It wasn't so good yesterday. So I'm just going to sleep for another hour. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm here on this hunt. Like I got this time. Um, even though I live here, it's still your time is precious. Like I don't get as many days as, you know a lot of people think too it's like yeah you live there you could go all the time i'm like no i do have to work i have family like we got a lot of activities going on i'm like shoot i want to maximize those days so when it comes to fitness flipping that perspective like you're saying is really awesome uh, i'll always add to just make sure that your training is conducive to you having the energy to get up and do it again and that's like your your routine like what do you do day in and day out in your normal life that lends itself to your hunting scenario and that's like getting up in the morning getting your quiet time in getting your workout in be it having energy for your family that sort of stuff all of that pays dividends when you go out there and have that hunt too you know like you you'll see the correlation like from day in and day out life to what you do on that hunt so i love that
1: yeah. That's something I need to get better at is like when I, when it's a hunting day, I have no issue getting out of bed. Right. Yeah. There is a point, like you mentioned, when it you're doing it for seven, eight days in a row where it starts to wane on mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so we are huge advocates for that midday nap. Yes. You know? Oh, when there's nothing the going tent. on at 12 o'clock, <laughs> like get some sleep in. Uh, we've been burned a couple times, me and my brother last fall we're both sleeping at the same time and we got dive bombed by a cow and a calf totally. like 20 yards. <laughs> and so we're like, shoot, we should have, we should have kind of planned better. You that's know, Because I would have deep shot a deep cow, deep. cow for sure. Yep. Um, yep. So then we started putting the decoy out for our midday naps and try not to sleep at the same time. But, but that's a big one. Is get that midday nap because yeah. you're right. Like, I don't know what it is because like you look at the globe, like the time zone, it's different for us. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't, you wouldn't think like the days are longer. So I don't know if it's increased elevation. That obviously does increase your day length Mm -hmm. or it's just you're outdoors all day when very few of us are outdoors all day in our, in our daily life. Even if you work outside, that's maybe eight to five. Then you go home and you're inside eating dinner and stuff. And you kind of forget about those other five hours of daylight. Yep. But it's like a long day, when okay. you're, like you said, mm-hmm. a couple days before or a couple hours before and a couple hours after daylight very easily. I mean, you could hunt till dusk and now it's yeah. an hour and a half back to camp.
0: Yep. Yeah. And 100%. Bit- I'm like, I totally I'm like, that's put it back in the tank because in in our normal life. The majority of the year, how often, especially with family and that sort of stuff, how often do you get to take a nap, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like that's I never take a nap. I look forward to an archery season more than more than a lot of things is like a ridge line nap, um, hopefully in the sun, hopefully
1: <laughs> you know, but or the shade depending on. Yeah, in the I mean, shade, like in the shade, it's like, a- like we need to find some shade. Yeah, uh,
0: raining snowing, but but yeah, to to do that and power up and just look at that. So that you do have the energy to go into the next day, because even even the factors that you don't take into consideration sometimes is like a quiet day, not seeing any animals. You know, like um, whiffing a shot or blowing a scenario will take energy at, like from you, and then you yeah. bring that into the next day. It's like no, I got to reset. So make sure and get my make sure and you know get as good as sleep as I can, good food, take that nap, and and come into the next day as ready for it as day one because that last day even on some of these hunts and i and i've watched it a lot i'm like and i've even you know been i've fallen prey to like being defeated like everybody does you know like Mm. the majority of the time you're going to be um but having that energy to like to go into the hunt on the last day the same as the first is something that you'll always, always look back on and be like, man, I'm glad I did that. Like, you'll, you'll never write it. Yeah.
1: So. Well, it's kind of, I would love to see some good data on what day of a, what day of the planned hunt mm-hmm. did people kill on? I would say it's, it'd be very hard for locals that just like hunt after work yeah. or hunt on the weekends. Cause they planned the whole season. Yep. But for someone traveling for their hunt, we got nine days. I would say, I would say that bell curve probably peaks like maybe the last day or the day before, like last full day of hunting. Cause it, yeah. you get to a new spot, it's going to take you a couple of days just to figure out where the elk are. Then it's going to take you a couple of days to figure out that part of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you put it together. And it usually is like the last day. Now when I say good data. It's like, if I'm hunting by myself, I, sh- I you know, I shot a bull in Colorado on a solo hunt. Well I shot him on the last day cause I left the day after that, yeah. you know, but it was like day five of a seven day season. You know, I shot him on day five. It was towards the end. And like you said, you got to have that energy towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect example. I think it was last podcast or the podcast before this one. I had my buddy Bryce Bowser on. We did a Montana mule deer hunt and we came down to the final hours of yeah. our planned hunt. Yeah. And we doubled up in the final hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like long and we were not seeing, like everyone, I dream of having a mule deer hunt one day where I get to pick and choose my buck. I've (laughs) never had that. Every mule deer hunt I've ever been on, I have shot the first legal buck I've seen. And it's usually not like right out of the gate opening day. It's like, this was the only legal buck I saw, or it's like the only one on public or, you know, and it all turned, every one of them, it happened to be the biggest buck I saw because it was basically the only buck I saw. Too. and i'm dreaming of that hunt where you get to look at some and be like nah, maybe not that one not yet i'll remember where he is i'll come back if i need to i'm okay walking away from him yeah right i dream of that and i never had it but this one was especially brutal because we weren't even seeing does we weren't seeing oh. little deer yeah and so finally last day he shoots one right away in the morning we go get lunch come back i see we see one in a great spot to stock i shoot him We were off the mountain, both animals quartered and packed out to the truck. I mean, it's Southeast Montana. It's not that big of a pack. Yeah, we're still traveling. But we're we're done at 3 p.m. And we went to the bar for lunch to get a burger. So (laughs) that's amazing. It was, yeah, that last day. I mean, we woke up earlier and earlier every day because we were finding that we needed to travel farther and farther to find deer. And so that last day was the longest day. We woke up at, you know, two hours earlier than we did the first day Mm -hmm. and then I, I don't know if this is wise or not. We packed out two deer and then we drove straight home through the night. I mean, yeah, we, we got to camp. We got camp broken down about sunset and we got to my house at four AM.
0: Dude. So I I mean that's that too is running like that's the endorphin hit that you get from something like that. But being able to go into the last day and even get up earlier on the last day, that's that's something that's that makes a difference in a successful hunt regardless of if you harvested anything. Cause I'm like, I'll give everyone credit for going home empty handed because that's a big thing. There's a lot of lessons in going home empty handed, yeah. but knowing that you didn't give up in any way, shape or form is really, really valuable because you'll carry that. You'll carry that into the rest of your life the next year. And you won't beat yourself up because that's what happens when you don't get up early. Like, yeah. you're like, Oh, why did I do that? Like, why did I do that? And then you then you're talking to yourself and that's not a good situation either. Just like, right. Just be conscious of it and try to make an effort to be like, yep, I'm going to make sure. And I'm going to put this effort into it. And my input is my output, right? My input is my output. And so even if you don't harvest anything, I'm like, just enjoy the fact that you are out there. you got to be outside all day long. You got to spend time maybe with somebody, maybe solo, whatever it may be. And, um, that's hunting people will say all the time too it's like if you don't kill something like what's the point i'm like oh, shoot no man i'm like we we're, we're blessed to be out there we're blessed to be able to get to do this and take that time and right. uh, you'll learn more from not harvesting anything than you will harvesting something anyway so
1: yeah yeah i like that i've always wanted to to make a shirt that says something along the lines of it's not going to be tougher than regret or nothing hurts as much as regret. And I I like to wear shirts that I'm really trying to tell myself that. Yeah. And by wearing that shirt and showing everybody like, Hey, I'm the guy that's wearing this shirt. I feel like just by wearing that shirt, it holds me accountable because people are like, you just quit on yourself in the gym yet you're wearing the shirt that says never give up or something. Uh, It's like, you can't, when you're wearing that shirt, you can't give up because, every, you know, you can't be a hypocrite. And so that's why I've always wanted to wear a shirt like that because it's true. Like when you sleep in on the last day and you're like, you know what, let's just go home. Yeah. Like instead of driving past all these little no-name towns in North Dakota talking about how great that last shot was and how we got to on the last day, you're just thinking about that last day. You're thinking uh, like, yeah. you know. And, if you, and if, you, if you run it down to the ninth inning and you don't, and you don't end up bringing anything home, which we've done many times. Yep. We've done both. I've we've we've gone home early. We were tired. weren't seeing stuff. Weather's rolling in. That sucks. Empty-handed. And then we've had the other side where we hunt it to the last inning, and about fifty percent of the time we end up we end up hitting a home run in the last inning like, and the other 50% of the time you're just so satisfied that you, you gave it your all. Like there's no question. I left it all out there on that mountain and yeah. my cell phone. You know, sometimes I lose my phone on these hunts. Too, yeah, so <laughs> I really do leave it all out on the mountain. Um, uh, if anyone hunts in Southwest Montana and finds a galaxy uh, a Samsung phone, that was mine.
0: Okay. <laughs> somebody, somebody probably will, but a good,
1: good hunting spot. So <laughs> yeah. Good hunt spot. You got all my pins. Lucky you. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. but yeah. So I wanted to kind of talk about, cause that's what we've been talking about really is mental toughness. Yep. I think that can be independent. There's people I've seen people that have enough mental toughness apparently to overcome all of their physical preparedness. Yes. Yes. And it's amazing. And it's like, man, what if you were in amazing shape. Like you would be unstoppable. You'd be riding the herd bull down the mountain, gathering the cows, you know, like, and then there's, there's people that have incredible physical fitness, yet the mental toughness just isn't there. You you really need both. You, I think you can make it farther on mental toughness than you can on physical toughness. If you have both, that's obviously great. And I think a lot of times your physical toughness is like the first to go and then that causes the mental toughness to come with it. Almost like if your feet get cold, your whole body's going to be cold. If you yep. can just keep your feet
0: warm, you'll be fine. Totally. No, that's a that's a great analogy too cuz it's a it's definitely a blend. Like we're we're really big at mountain tough, we're we're really big on the mental toughness piece just because we know that that produces really great results whether it's in the field hunting day in and day out in your life. We see it a lot with some of the, the military groups too that we work with. You know, Their success is directly correlated to their mental fortitude um, and being able to execute on a mission. And so taking that and putting our own spin on it, yeah, through fitness, we can help reiterate or even like revive some of that mental toughness because arguably everyone has it it's just how do you tap into it and so or how do you retrain that mental toughness too so the combination is really really valuable both the fitness piece plus the mental toughness I'm like we do some of the stuff is just like if you look back to middle school days you know I'm 40 so we were doing a lot of wall sits when we were in middle school grade school right like like Um, we do that in some of our training programs, like you'll be doing wall sits again. And if you think back, it's like, man, that was good for me. I didn't realize it at the time when I was a kid, but here I am as an adult. And these are the things that I just needed. I just needed to light that fire underneath myself again. Um, and now that I can comprehend it as an adult, I need to be able to take these steps and put this into place because it will, it will 100% pay off in the field but it'll pay off more in your in your day-to-day life
1: for sure so oh yeah i definitely think mental toughness is like a it's like a it's a spectrum not to use a buzzword but it is a spectrum but it's it's not like left right center it's Mm -hmm. like base and up from there like everyone's somewhere and i would say almost everyone's above zero right yeah Absolutely. Like you're somewhere. You might not be like Cameron Haynes, mental tough and be able to do a 240 mile foot race in yeah. three days. And that's yeah. fine. But you're not like negative. Like everybody's got something to work with. Absolutely. What, and it's, yep. it's your comfort zone. It's, yep. it's what you've done in your life that you're comfortable with. Like that's your mental toughness. Totally. And the, and the, and you don't have to like jump into the 240 mile race across the desert. You just do something you're not quite comfortable with. If that's like, yep. You know i don't really like to run and i'm gonna raise my hand for that i hate running but it's like i'm just gonna run a block around my house like that's more than the walk that you usually do so like that's like it's whether it's planned or unplanned hard events that's where you grow your mental toughness like you you can do some hard stuff intentionally for sure You can do like a, you can do a marathon. Like I'm planning for this. It's going to suck. And when I do it, I'm going to, it'll adjust my perspective on what tough is. Or I can get into a situation where we killed a bull seven miles from the road. Now we have no choice. We have to get this thing out. You
0: are committed. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So whether it's planned or unplanned, both things will increase your mental toughness. And then you, and then that's your new comfort zone. Yeah. Like I've, the yeah. first time we packed out an elk, it's kind of that unknown. It's like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. It could be really hard. Mm-hmm. And then you did it a couple of times. And then I packed out, you know, the bull behind me in this picture, he was eight and a half and he lived on grain in the North Dakota Badlands, no wolves, no grizzlies yeah. and lots of cornfields. He was big. And I did a front and a rear in one trip. Totally. Easy peasy. Cause yep. of the training. And now it's like, I don't even, I wouldn't bat an eye to do a double pack out on a raghorn, You know, if you're doing like a mile back to the nearest road or trailhead and it's not like up and over ridges, like give me two, let's just get it done. Like this isn't it. that hard anymore. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm that, a big guy. I mean, that helps.
0: No, but I'm like, th- those are the scenarios that you've gotten in and those are the things that you've learned mm-hmm. that you can handle. A cool thing to be able to do is like, for someone who hasn't experienced that, it's like, that's why you, part of the reason why you do this podcast, right? Is to share those experiences that people um, will hear that and they'll learn something from it and they'll be one step ahead of where you were when you were in that situation, right? So if you can share that and like a lot of our training, our programming that we do, it's like, we're just sharing this with you. It's your 40 minutes of the day, maybe an hour of the day within your workout. And that Mm -hmm. is setting you up for success in these experiences that you're going to have whether it's on a hunt um, or whether it's like yeah i'm like some sort of manual labor that some that your your buddy asked you to do and you hadn't done it for quite a while it's like oh so yeah i'll go do it like hard like well, landscape you know your whole entire yard with you i'm like oh instead of going i'm gonna be really sore that's gonna suck like yeah let's do it you know like
1: yeah I like, just, Hey, okay. I need to move my gun safe.
0: Yeah. I need to, I need to move my gun safe. I'm like, yeah, I'll, all I worry about is crushed fingers and toes, but otherwise I'll be good. So,
1: Yeah. Which, um, we got some pretty cool stuff in the works, but I'm going to be getting a steelhead outdoors gun safe. I don't know if you've heard of them yet. No. I know Randy Newberg's got a couple there in Bozeman. They redesigned their gun safes. Um, it's a startup company here in Minnesota. I toured their shop, phenomenal people. But the cool thing is it's, all of the security, yeah. all of the fire rating, everything Yep. looks exactly the same as your is your Browning or your whatever gun safe you've got at home, Victory, Liberty, Champion, yeah. except it, you can take it apart from the inside, panel by panel. Come on. And so you can move every panel yourself by yourself with a two-wheel cart, like your average two-wheel cart, no special stair climbing cart. The heaviest panel's the door, it's 180 pounds, so you put that on a two-wheel cart and just go you know oh my gosh amazing so no more no more broken fingers and broken toes and two cases of beer and a pizza to move your gun safe you can just do it yourself so mine should be done here very soon and then i think we're working on some cool stuff to to partner with the podcast so i'm really excited about that oh that's awesome yeah for sure but it's like the point is it's like your buddies that go oh like yeah versus the buddies like sure what time when and where, I'll be there. you know That's the kind of like that preparedness yeah. um, that you speak of. And and so that's what I was going to ask you that now that we've been talking about it, we've really been, yeah. we've been really driving home the point on the mental toughness yep. um, because it, it, like I assume we're on the same wavelength, like that is the most important part and the physical preparedness yep. leads into that. I think it's a lot easier to wrap your head around physical fitness and preparedness. Yep. What do I need to do? Um, So we'll touch on that after. But first, what do you guys do? And it's probably not common. I really don't think it would be common because I don't see it or hear it. But if a guy walks in, he's like, I just want to be tougher. Mm And you're like, what do you mean? And they're like, just mentally tougher. Like, I just want to be tougher. Yeah. Like, I want to, like, not be shy away from hard situations. I want to be able to handle stress better. Like, I want to be able to look at a bull four miles away on a ridge and be like, let's go get him. Versus like oh man that's a long ways away yeah and yeah. and you're like what do I do what do I do to get tougher like yeah. what would you guys do in that situation a client comes in and be like I just want to be tougher where do I start yeah let no like
0: that legitimately that legitimately happens and that's why too, we have the app honestly is because that happens enough that it's like we need to we need to provide this for more people and so um, the the start of it is creating a habit. So whether it's a, just a small habit, a small change um, and getting in a routine with a plan because having a plan is always gonna benefit you and know that the plan is always gonna change and it should change, right? But having a plan in front of you is a path that you can follow. You don't have to think about that plan. You just go and do that plan. Um, and that's an important, really important step for anybody to take is like, I'm going to go do this. If you're Cameron Haynes and you're like, I want to run a 250 mile race. You better believe that there's a plan in place to go and run a 250 foot, 250 mile race, right? Like it takes a lot of running day in and day out. The plan is to run and have time on your feet. Right. But there's like some people are really analytical about it. Some people go by feel, it depends on your experience. So for someone saying, I want to get tougher, um, I'm a big proponent of our mountain tough methodology because I've done it for a really long time. I known Dustin shoot since before we had kids. Um, and, uh, and once he started training hunters specifically, I was at a point in my running career because I took the running path. I was like, that's where I, I want to do that because I don't want to be devastated when a bull goes over the ridge, like legitimately, I remember that bull too. And I'm and going, that's too far. And I'm like, I never want to do that again. So my path was, I want to go running. I want to do ultra races, the Cameron Haynes influence, that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to do that. That's one end of the spectrum. That is beneficial in some ways. But running, just running and getting on ultra marathon plan um, does not benefit you in the mountains hunting the way you think it will. And that's why Dustin started Mountain Tough. And for me running, I was like, why in the world am I sucking wind when I'm carrying a backpack now because I'm in the yeah. best shape of my life. Um, yeah. so as we were talking about the blend of mental toughness and physical strength, when it comes to physical preparedness and being tougher in the mountains, it's a blend of strength and endurance. Like you yeah. as a, as a mountain athlete, we'll call it. It's a blend of strength and endurance, not going to be the fastest runner, don't have to be the strongest guy in the gym, but there's a blend in there that works really, really well. And that blend for us um, is baked into our programming. And it truly does make people tougher because when you go out and you have that experience and you go, wow, I feel really good now. You're like, I just put in that work. I packed out that bull and I'm ready tomorrow to pack a buddy's bull out. Um, Cause you double down, whatever those are all things that give you confidence because of your training that has made you tougher. So um, I'm like, and the mental toughness piece is something that we just subtly add in. um, And we're just having you do some of those simple movements. The wall sits are the easiest thing that I can relate to. Most people is like, why am I doing a wall sit? I'm a grown adult. Like, like, but all of a sudden your legs are burning. And if you were to flash back to you as a kid sitting on a wall for a minute, you could do it, right? Like you could do it as a kid. Well, what's wrong with me now that I'm a grown adult and I can't do this. Right. So I'm like, I just think back to my, my childhood self. I'm like, I was tougher then maybe a bit naive, but also I'm like in a line of kids and I'm not going to be the first one off that wall. You better believe I'm not going to be the first one off that wall. Cause I'm, you know, a kid and I'm competitive for whatever reason. So, um, so that just in our programming, just those subtle little tricks that we've, we've come up with um, and we've tested it here. We used to run public classes, like, I mean, three, three classes a day, five days a week, um, just testing on these groups of the programs that we have now within the app so that we can produce a good product that helps you. Um, like I said, on the hunt, I'll say it again and again, and it'll help you day in and day out too. So subtly through fitness and through sweating, you start becoming mentally tougher and then you start making the correlation. Um, And if I were to tie that back to like my running career um, and I still love to run, but I also love to just feel good and move good and not have the aches and pains. So strength is a really big portion for me, still running. But like I spent a lot of time on the trails thinking I had to get a lot of miles in And ultimately it made me mentally tougher. And I would say if I was to have a conversation with Cam Haynes or ask him a question, he'd say the same thing. It's maybe mentally tougher by grinding out those miles. That's not for everybody. Like that's not necessarily a reality with time and space or even the desire to want to go do it. Like you might want to do a mobility routine or you might want to dial up the strength too, because that's something that's more interesting to you. That helps you build a habit. Um, and that keeps you coming back to it because you look forward to it. Once you make a hat something a habit, you're like you can't pry that from my my cold dead fingers. Like I want to get up in the morning and do my morning routine and have my workout because I don't like the way I feel when I don't do it. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. That's, and that's that mental toughness piece. Um, so I think you can you can concentrate it into a smaller amount of time. You might then out of having a program and having a routine, find that, shoot, I do want to go run hundred miles, go do yeah. it. You know, you'd be like, don't yeah. even, don't even question it. Go do it. Like, cause you can, um, or I want to go, I want to get into CrossFit or I want to, you know, I set this goal for myself. Um, then I'm like, let it be a stepping stone and learn from those, um, experiences, um, and take them into other aspects of your life. So.
1: Yeah. I like it that you 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 talk about it's like multidisciplinary fitness or exercise mm-hmm. to be a good elk hunter. And, and and I think by doing that and following that men, that mountain tough regimen You're really forcing yourself. I mean, if you're gonna follow it, no one's forcing you to do anything. If you're gonna follow it, you're forcing yourself to probably do exercise that isn't your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Like you talk like you're a runner. And before you were a runner, that wasn't in your wheelhouse either. So you did something you weren't comfortable with. You got that toughness from the running. I'm the opposite. Like I'm the heavyweights guy. Like give me barbells and plates and I'm never going to grow my comfort zone because I'm already rooted there. Yeah. Right. You're the F 18 that's going to fly by and and pass me up and go kill the elk. And then I'm like the B 51. That's going to, you're going to, you're going to pack pack it off. off. (laughs) Right. We're the opposite spectrums. And so by only lifting weights, I'm not really getting any tougher mentally because I'm only doing what I love. Yep. If I were to go do that run, and even if I only got a mile or two in, you know, that's going to do more for my mental toughness than just adding another set of plates on the barbell. Yep. And, and that's kind of probably where you see the most gain in the mental toughness by Mm -hmm. following that program is doing all these different types of exercises that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, that's why I love CrossFit because there's a whole bunch of shit in it that I don't want to do. Like, (laughs) I don't like doing double unders. I don't like doing wall balls. I hate running like all this stuff I don't like doing yet. It's really like, it's kind of the best one trick pony for getting ready for elk hunting because it it does do everything like there's some long distance endurance there's sprints that's a huge one I mean we talked endurance and strength yep in both things there's conditioning there's oxygen like you need to be able to breathe and get your heart rate back down yeah because you're going to end up doing like wind sprints up a mountain Mm -hmm. and that's probably what you saw is like why am I not doing this it's like well when you're doing your 26 mile run you're probably just like this well-oiled machine, all systems firing. My heart rate's just cruising at one twenty. I'm breathing yeah, my, through my, my nose. My body weight, you know, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you start doing that uphill, and all of a sudden, all these little red alarms start going off, like heart rate spiking, oxygen's not going good. I can't breathe through my nose anymore. I'm sucking wind. Um, you know, my sure. ankles, my calves are burning. <laughs> and also you start getting it like system error after system error. It's so
0: true. Yeah. That's yeah. that, that's that like that blend. I'm like, if you were, if you were to look at, I say it sometimes, I'm like, if you could pie chart you as a human being, how much strength do you want? How much endurance do you want? How, how much fitness and how much mental toughness like you want to have a blend of both of those. Yeah. Right. And then from the fitness piece, that strength and endurance, like that's a lot of our programming um, is where you'll have that high intensity, that, that cardio, because we know if you train under that for a certain duration, then all of a sudden you're going to be able to calm your heart rate down and you're going to be able to execute on that shot. And it, and it happens over time. You're like, wow, I am calm in this situation so much faster than I thought I would be. Um, and that's because of your training. That's that style of training. And then you're strong. And you're mobile in the other circumstances so that you're not getting up super sore, you know, and crawling out of bed, let alone your sleeping bag in the mountains and being like, oh, like, wow, that really devastated me. Like, oh, I I know my buddy might shoot one. I don't know how we're going to get it out, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) no, like wake up, go do it again.
1: So exactly what do you think would be if you could just give like a real short list like two or three things that would be the most impactful for a flatlander like myself or anyone listening that's you know diehard bow hunter midwest whitetail but they're going out west this year what are like a couple things that you think would have the most bang for their buck on getting ready for that western hunt whether it's mental toughness physical toughness with what they got you know yeah you know you don't have a mountain to use
0: I'll go I'll go right back to your legs it's a gift to have them you know you got lungs too um but but you should do lunges like lunges are going to help everyone in the mountains regardless of where you live you don't need a hill all you need is the space to walk like um step forward step back do it again on the opposite leg um So whether forward or reverse lunges, um, and if you want to do them underweight, you can, but like throw your backpack on and feel that, feel that shoulder burn, push yourself because, um, it's, it's amazing how frequently we don't do that movement. Like I'll walk all day long. I can run, I can jog all of that, but to be able to have that for sure quad burn and then engage your hamstrings and your glutes is really, really important. If you have a backpack on, um, that's going to help you uh, understand like where your impingements are, especially in your hips. So that's going to go back to mobility. So I'm like your lunges and your mobility are really, really important as a flatlander or anybody, regardless. Um, those two right there are just like, you you can't go wrong. And those are the ones you don't want to do. Like you just yeah. don't want to, you don't want to do lunges. Like you'd rather do pushups or burpees or whatever, but um, you can't go wrong with lunges and then that rucking, if you want to put that weight on too, like it's really valuable. Um, okay. And if you can, if you can step up and step down off of something, both like forward and back and laterally, um, yeah. that's really helpful too, because that's what you are going to experience. You're going to be walking up stuff and you're going to be coming down. So we'll just say a lot of times, you know, have a box, have a cooler, you know, um, and step up over that. Um, so that you are understanding the movement and the controlled step down too. like, you want to be able to control that weight stepping down. So, um, those will be the big ones. I'm like, anybody can do that. You can put a routine, do, you know, hundred lunges and hundred step-ups and you're going to feel better, like no doubt. So
1: awesome. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Um, for anyone that's looking for like, you know, I don't really want to get an expensive gym membership just to go out West. Yep. What do I do from home? I think everything you said, you could find a way to do it from home. Steps, yep. most houses have steps. Most houses have space to do lunges. If well, you're going to go out west, you're going to find a pack. Go. Um, here's a quick tip for free. You can spend $100 on a 55 or a 45-pound plate that you would find in a gym. Yep. Or you can go to your local farm and fleet, fleet farm, whatever, egg store, and go into the livestock section and go buy a bag of like barn lime, Yep. Which is what the cows use for grit so they don't slip on the cement. And that's like six bucks for fifty pounds. Six and bucks. You just duct tape the heck of that. Duct tape the heck out of that so it doesn't cut and rip and make a mess and throw it in your pack. I got four of them in my garage right now. Throw
0: it in your pack. I'm like, I'm yeah, you have a rock sitting around somewhere. Throw it in your pack. Yeah. Ew. I'm like, Yeah. Hey. It really is. But even something as simple as I'm gonna go to the hardware store and I'm gonna buy that bag or those that two bags of lie, like that's a step in the right direction of saying I'm going to yeah. do that because then I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at them when I'm not using them I'm going to be like I should be using them right and th- those are yeah. the steps of starting to make that a habit and starting to do that so um,
1: there's one in my uh there's one in my mystery ranch all strapped in right now it's sitting in my garage so I can just put that pack on and there's 50 pounds right off the bat
0: I know totally I'm like don't and make sure you duct tape them because if you don't <laughs> your zippers won't like it <laughs> so
1: oh yeah i duct taped i just i went i went all the way around just to make sure and they've lasted i've had these um for four or five years now that's sweet so if my six dollar investment like it's the the cheapest way and the easiest way to get weight there is i mean sure you can like save milk jugs and fill them with water but like that it's so tight and compact and dense and it just is so simple to do. I almost prefer it over a plate because it's also kind of the shape of an elk quarter? Yeah, you know, it's lumpy. It's kind of soft. It moves a little bit. Yeah. It's nice to figure your
0: pack out too and figure out like, yep, where does it yeah. be? How does it need to be adjusted?
1: Um Yeah, it's really good. The plate I think would be like, not a bad, you can't go wrong, but it's probably going to give you an artificial perspective on how easy it is to balance weight because it's so close to your center of yep. gravity. Where you you kind of want something to be out a little bit to know what it's going to feel like because that elk quarter is going to be out there a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's gonna it's it's dead weight too. Like it is. Yeah. It's dead weight. It is awkward uh, too, especially the bigger the bigger the bull, the more awkward that load's going to get. It's like whether you bone it out or whether you take a quarter, like it's, it's yeah awkward. So. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, before um, before we wrap up here, Weston. I appreciate you coming on and I want to yeah. give you a chance to, to share the socials, the website, the app, give listeners a chance to, to connect with you guys and mountain tough anywhere you'd like to send them. And we will put the links to all of those places you mentioned in the show notes below yeah, for, yeah. for listeners.
0: Um, yeah. Mountain tough, mountain tough fitness. Um, find us on the socials at mountain tough underscore fitness. Um, we are the fitness app, so you can go to mountaintuff.com and you can check it out and try a trial. Like if you're if you do need that accountability and you're like, I wanna, I wanna do that, I wanna make a habit out of it, um, we're there to help you. Uh, we've got a lot of different programs for you to pick from, regardless of your fitness level. We wanna we wanna work with you and help you in your journey. Ultimately, we wanna have it be a successful hunt, but we wanna help you in, in your day-to-day life more than anything too. So um, so yeah, check out the app. You can always do a 14 day free trial, you know, no, no risk at all. Um, just, just see what you think. Um, and then look up our podcast to mountain, mountain tough fitness. Um, it's across all platforms. Um, give those a listen, like, you know, just like this one, it's like, Hey, just sharing cool stories. It's fun to meet somebody and then have something in common, which is hunting, but there's so much more than that too. So I'm um, just trying to to get people's stories out there and hopefully meet people where they're at too and learn something from every circumstance we're in. So,
1: yeah. Awesome. There you have it folks. Go get connected and check out the Mountain Tough socials, the website, get the app. Go get get Mountain Tough. Uh yeah. get ready for this fall.
0: Get get Mountain Tough. It's it's not too late honestly. Like yeah, go go do something. Do lunges if nothing yeah. else do do 100 lunges a day and you'll be you'll be in good shape but if you want to get on a on a program um and help carry it through right into hunting season and then after we we got you covered when it comes
1: to that so awesome well thanks for being here again Weston and thank you for listening folks